Lord, take our words and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So it's here, that wonderful and most favorite time of the year, a season filled with hope and with good cheer, where, in what has become a holiday ritual, families come together in front of the television set to watch a Christmas story. Now, is it possible there's anyone here who hasn't seen this movie multiple times? No, I have. The movie's become a Christmas tradition alongside such classics as A Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life. Our protagonist in the movie, Ralphie, is an eight-year-old boy living in northern Indiana in the 1940s. He wakes long, torturous days for Christmas to come, and he plots, scheming to somehow get the gift that he simply must have, an official Red Ryder, carbine action, 200-shot, range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. Now, Ralphie's quest is to convince his parents, his teachers, and Santa that a Red Ryder BB gun really is the perfect Christmas gift. So Ralphie spreads the word repeatedly, subtly, and not so subtly, but always thwarted by those dreadful words You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> now, for myself and others of a certain age, the movie brings back memories of simpler times. When as children, our year was bound by Christmas, our birthday, and summer vacation, with Christmas, of course, being the best, usually better gifts, an abundance of good things to eat, and magical Christmas mornings that can only be fully appreciated through the eyes of a child. Now think about your best Christmas gift ever. I had a BB gun, sure. But for me, the crown jewel was a shiny metallic red Murray bicycle with chrome fenders and a motorcycle-style tank with a built-in headlight. Man, that thing was beautiful. And it was a total surprise, totally unexpected. Now today we would call the styling mid-century modern designed as it was in the days when cars featured fins and fender skirts. Now I remember it was very cold in Carolina that Christmas day, and I rode that bike so much that I nearly gave myself frostbitten fingers. <laughs> but the Ralphie story and the Mikey story are also about expectation and anticipation, along with gifts. As in a more serious vein, is our John the Baptist gospel story from today. Now, John the Baptist was languishing in prison. Herod Agrippa, the nominal Judean leader under Roman supervision, put him there. John's crime was to point out to Agrippa that it was not lawful for him to steal his own brother's wife. And Herod, not surprisingly, took offense at this and had John the Baptist jailed until he could figure out to do what to do with this troublesome truth-teller. So the Baptist sent his disciples to inquire of Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect another? Now John's question is an Advent question. 
The Jews anticipated the coming of the Messiah, and John himself, as herald and prophet, proclaimed Jesus as the long-expected Savior of the Jewish people. One who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And there he goes, the Lamb of God. But John the Baptist, just as most Jews of that time, anticipated and expected a different kind of Savior. Remember, John was preaching a message of repentance and wrath. We hear in Luke 3, Now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And I baptize you with water, but the one who is to come will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, John's question from prison could well have been, Jesus, when will you summon your legions of angels, cast off the Roman yoke, and rid us of our corrupt Jewish leaders? When will you restore peace and justice on the earth? Oh, and by the way, could you bust me out of prison while you're at it? <laughs> so perhaps John and his followers expected a warrior savior leading his all-conquering armies into a battle to rid Israel of the Roman scourge for all time. Now, life in first century Palestine was hard for the average Jew. Sure, there were the wealthy elites, those who collaborated with the Roman overlords, who gained wealth and power through extorting the masses. But day-to-day -day life in Judean and Galilean times was difficult. Let's take Nazareth as, as an example. The typical Nazarite lived in a rudimentary stone house with a sod roof and a dirt floor. Some of the neighbors may have lived in caves in the surrounding hills. There was no sanitation. Household waste was typically dumped in the streets. There was no running water. The women gathered at a common well each morning to draw the family's water supply for the day. The food was simple and rudimentary. Bread baked on flat stones, olives, dates, grapes, sludgy wine, and parched grain, supplemented by an occasional chicken or broiled fish. And then there were taxes. Some things never change, do they? Taxes to the Romans, to the Herods, to the local officials, and to the temple. And the tax system was administered by the loathsome tax collectors whose livelihood depended on how much extra they could extort from the suffering populace. So Jesus, are you the one here to change these things or should we look for another? This is the human condition, isn't it? We look forward to Christ coming again with anticipation, but we have questions. Is he really the one? Today, just as 2,000 years ago, we have our issues that challenge and concern us. Let's look at some from our local news. The terrible truth about gun violence in Jacksonville. Columnist writes that it has become so commonplace that we've become numb to it. How many Confederate monuments have been removed in Jacksonville? 
The controversy again gains notice as a plane towing a banner with, banner with a Confederate flag and put monuments back flies over Jaguars game. Homeless in Atlantic Beach. City adopts ban on sleeping, camping, and public spaces. The Atlantic Beach City Commission approved a controversial, controversial new ordinance that would prohibit sleeping or camping on city streets, parks, and other public places. Federal complaint claims a living hell for immigrants inside ICE's Baker County Detention Center. States that conditions at the Baker Detention Center place people's lives in danger. It cites abuses, including abuse, uh, excessive use of force, lack of proper hygiene and food, and immigrants' inability to access legal counsel. Why did voter turnout drop in 2022 versus 2018? Stricter voting laws, voter arrests, say Voting Rights Act advocates. We could go on, and believe me, I'm aware that I'm a broken record when it comes to social justice issues. So let's hear again together Jesus' response to John's disciples. Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Stated differently, Jesus tells us that his kingdom will be a different kind of kingdom. A reign of peace and forgiveness. Not of fear and retribution. Of healing and reconciliation not of exclusion, where all who believe are welcomed in and accepted as members of a community, a kingdom where harmony overcomes violence as the lion lies down with the lamb. So how is Jesus' hand at work at St. Andrew's? Are we building his kingdom? What do we bear witness to together? Is he really the one? Let's imagine that Christ answered us, answers us today, St. Andrew's, directly. And he says, go and tell the world what you see and hear at St. Andrew's. The sick are prayed for and ministered to. The church family joins together to console and comfort each other at the loss of loved ones. The lonely are visited. The hungry are fed. Special kids get a special Christmas gift through the angel tree ministry. Toys are made by hand. Meals are delivered to those who are sick or suffering. But together with these things and many more, especially tell them that the good people of St. Andrews come together each week in a loving and caring community to hear the word, to join in prayer, to partake of the holy meal, and to offer praise and thanksgiving to the God of the universe. Oh, and when you tell them these things, invite your listeners to join them. All are welcome. One last thing, back to the beginning. Did you think about the best gift you ever received? Well, these are my thoughts. There's a gift greater than all others, infinitely better than a Red Ryder 200-shot range rifle and many orders of magnitude more valuable than a shiny red retro bike. 
And unlike Ralphie from A Christmas Story, we don't need to plot to receive this gift. As surely as grits with a southern breakfast, it just comes. Like the red bike, it comes unexpectedly and undeserved, a joyful surprise. It's the fulfillment of our hopes and expectations, God's response to our deepest needs. And this most wonderful gift is the coming of grace into the world in the birth of a Savior. He comes with healing in his wings and the authority to change history. He is born as fulfillment of prophecy, of God becoming human, to walk with us in our joys and sorrows, to share in our happiest hours and in our darkest moments. Today, Godete Sunday, our pink candle Sunday, marks a time out, a day of rejoicing in our Advent journey of mindful preparation. Together we pause to give thanks for this miraculous gift from the Father, His Son, pure grace, freely given, no strings attached, amazing grace, unexpected and undeserved. And the good news is this, to accept the coming of the Savior with His gift of grace and power, all that is required of us is to simply respond reverently, thankfully, yes, Lord, we accept. We say yes to your freely given gift of grace. Come walk with us, sustain us, and abide with us. You, Lord, are the answer to our questions. And that, brothers and sisters, is good news indeed. Amen. Amen.